You are listening to the Act Like a Business podcast with myself, Dr. Elijah Clark, where I discuss high-level business management and marketing strategies to help you start, grow, and manage your business. This week, we're talking about team motivation. So what do you guys feel, I guess, how did you guys feel working inside of this, this particular pandemic? Is it something where were you guys working outside of your homes at the location and what kind of caused you to, to come home? Is it something where it was personal or was it business? Did your boss tell you to go home or did you have a conversation with them? What's going on with all of that? I'm curious. So we received an email on March 17th saying, go home and don't come back until we tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so did and... they have systems in place or whatnot or? Well, as a computer programmer, I already had everything at home because I'm a giant nerd. So, but a lot of my coworkers, you know, some of them had like they had to order extra monitors. They just took the monitors off their desk because it was going to be two weeks. It was going to be a month. It was going to be two months. And now it's like you can't come back unless you get EVP approval. Mm. If I had to go in, I had to go in a couple weeks ago because I had a doctor's appointment right down the street, and I had to get that letter from the EVP to say I could be in the office for that one day. Mm-hmm. And now, did you did you want to be in the office or did you prefer to be home? What was the situation with that? I would prefer a hybrid, you know, being home and at, at the office. I miss people. I'm a people person, but I work 48 miles from home, so I don't miss the commute at all. Mm-hmm. And most people don't turn their cameras on and you spend your day talking to little letters on the screen <laughs> and teams. You know, I talked to PJ for a few hours today. When you're on meetings all day and then you don't turn your camera on, it's very hard because you're just talking to two letters on the screen and you feel like you're talking to yourself all the time. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm a- so safety, how does that feel? Did that Was that something where you felt like safety was important to you guys or... Did you not care about the COVID situation or was it whatever? I mean, what's... well, in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, we're all going to die. And now I'm like, would you please just open a restaurant and get me out of my house? Trust you know, me. the mailman comes and it's like the most exciting thing is to get to go to the front, my wife, you know, the front yard my, and get the mail. Yeah, my wife went to pick up dinner yesterday. I was like, can I come with you, please? I need to get out of this house. Exactly. She was just in a drive through I was like, I got to get out of here. So, exactly. So. I, I went I went grocery shopping today to buy garlic on my yeah. lunch break because I needed to get out of my house. And my child's like, I'm out of garlic. I'm like, okay, I, I got to go right well, you now. Can, you can see us Texans don't care about that at all. So it's, <laughs> we're like the worst in, this, in, this, in the country. So, so, but yeah, that's the situation that everybody obviously has. So what if for you guys that are working or did work or were staying at the office, what would incentivize you to go back to the office? Is there something, would it be more money or what would incentivize you to go work and take that risk? Because I assume it's a risk factor more so than anything else um, that you have to consider. Go ahead, Peter. Well, um, my office, I'm sitting in my office if I work from a home office, but my job required that I go on site. Um, the equipment that I service is all in the hospital and I'm assigned, I was, well, up until this last weekend, I was assigned to um, two facilities that are basically the equivalent of four hospitals on one intersection. Mm. And so I worked through the whole thing. I was actually, it's kind of macabre, but for me, the th- the nice thing about <clears throat> the COVID, it was a break. I was able to get access to all the equipment. So I was able to get a lot of work done because in most of my, uh, most of my labs, they went to one, one team rotating each day. So that way they, they, um, they didn't have to furlough as many of the hospital employees in the department I service, but they didn't have all the labs running every day. And they were only doing emergencies and essential cases, mm-hmm. which meant in a suite of four or five labs, only one was running. So I had the run of the house for the others. Um, and that was pretty much from the start of uh, the middle of March up until about August. Mm-hmm. And what's going on now is just a- Business as usual, just wear a mask. They, um, they screen, they're screening at the entrance to the hospital. And um, if you're not badged, then you have to go through the, um, depending on the building, you have to go through the screening process. One of the other hospitals, they screen everybody, employee, visitors, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. So that's just kind of, it's now it's the new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and both of the, it's two hospital groups, but they have four total buildings. And the one that I work most of the equipment for is, um, it's a level one trauma. So they had to stay open and it mm. is the not-for-profit and then across the street is the VA hospital. So they stayed open. They never shut their doors. Mm -hmm. so, so they were dealing dealing with the ind indigenous, I'm sorry, indigent population, uh, the emergencies, um, you know, life flights and all of that. So they just kept, um, there was a while some of the staff stayed, like they'd come and stay for the week and then go home only because they didn't want to risk taking anything home with them. Mm. So you guys don't feel anything about getting sick? I mean, what's obviously, Lisa, you said you cared at the beginning, but you don't care anymore. But I mean, is that a, a, is that an incentive to make you work or why, why would you guys, I guess you're not at the office, but is there a way no. for you guys to get to the office or would you not want to go back? So this is Mark, by the way. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So my reason for going to work, not to mention it, it's for mission essential, but it's the mission itself is what is really important to me. So mm -hmm. uh, we deal with critical care transportation platform for the Air Force. So it's a training. The members that train come to Cincinnati and they train in critical care. Uh, these are the same people that go into Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, all the different countries all over the world, for uh, even with COVID response. And they pick up the critically wounded. They transport them out of theater, back to Germany, back to the United States, et cetera. So that's, that's my goal is to go in there and I'm a support in a support role. So I'm not a physician, but I love being in the support role. So, you know, if I get sick, I get sick. So what, but I mean, you know, I don't, at first they shut us down until, until they came up with a workaround so we can start going we had to, you know, you know, temperature check, you know, had to have uh, all the, all your uh, mm -hmm. stuff to, you know, protection, PPE, PPE, um, so that's the kind of stuff. And then we've kind of just gradually, some things relaxed after a while. Uh, I think about June, they stopped doing the temperature checks and it was a more of a personal responsibility then. Mm -hmm. So, but they still don't let the patient's family into the hospitals. They're, they're just barely let them in now. So, mm -hmm. but, but again, this submission itself, that's, that's the reason why I love my, I love my job. I mean, I don't like the job I do, like admin mm -hmm. stuff. I don't even do admin stuff any day. But mm -hmm. it's the mission and the people that I support. That's the most crucial thing to me. So that's a that's called intrinsic. What is it? Intrinsic versus extrinsic. That's where you're saying that yeah. you have a personal uh, desire to do the job, and it makes you happy just fulfilling that job uh, itself. Is that what it sounds like? Versus having to be incentivized. Yeah. See, Mark right. raises Mark raises a good point. Like um, on any given day. I could see one of my close friends as a patient on one of the systems that I work on. Uh -huh. And it's happened. I've walked into the room to do something and I hear somebody calling my name and it's the patient under drape getting ready to go <clears> through a procedure. Um, and for, to answer your other question about the getting sick, I've basically been rolling around on the floor in the hospitals for over 30 years. Mm. And I've been in environments with radiation, high ma high field magnetism. So truth of the matter, if I was going to get sick from something, likely for me, it would have already happened. I'm more mm. concerned with, I don't want to be the carrier to get one of my older friends or my mm. wife or somebody else sick. So the <clears throat> adherence to the, um, to the safety precautions is not so much for me as it is for the others, because my career, I've always been a carrier. I'm in and out. I mean, <clears throat> folks, hospitals are like the nastiest places, except for being in a back alley somewhere in the city. And hospitals are the nastiest places you can be in. And I've worked in them for 30 years. So you see stuff, you know, you get stuff on you. And it's like, you go home and it's like, don't touch me till I go through decontamination. And then I can join the family. So COVID really didn't change my method of operation. It actually made my life easier for a little while because I had access to my task. So what about you guys that don't like your job? <laughs> so, so who in here does not like their job and they're just going there to get paid? Who, who's, who's that person? 
Because that's that's a different question. You guys are more intrinsic where it, you guys care about what you do. They're not taking this class. The people you're looking for, they're <laughs> They're still trying to get that paper so they can get out. That's what's we're, up. We're, yeah, we're out, man. We're just trying to sweeten the spot now. So you got to take that to undergrads. <laughs> I don't teach undergrads. So I got no idea what they're doing down there. I don't teach it for a reason. <laughs> Maybe that reason. But um, yeah, that's the difference. Is It's more of a looking at the incentives. So obviously, if you care about your job, then there's nothing that can keep you from it, right? So that right. it's worth the risk. That's what it boils down to. Is it worth the risk or not? So yeah, that's it. For example, you've got to go to a funeral. You got to go to that funeral and it's worth the risk to get on the airplane, go down there and do what you got to do, and, you know, go see that person. But some people are simply not worth the risk and some people are. Uh, but somebody had a question? Like I, heard I think that I think that we don't know when uh, this COVID thing will end, and we just have to live. We have to be cautious, but we have to live. I know mm -hmm. some friends they will not let their children go out because of COVID, but actually, it's creating more fear than just uh, giving some <clears throat> responsibility. Yes, you have to wear your mask. You have to wash your hands. You have to choose where you are going. Make good choices, and that's it. I don't think that we have to live in fear and we don't know how long it's going to last. So I don't want to spend all my life living with fear. Now, does anybody think otherwise? I feel, you guys, this is interesting. Uh, the class I thought in May, the same class, they were thinking totally different. So it seems like now that everybody's gotten tired now is what happened. So everybody's tired of staying home now versus back in May, I assume. Where now we it's stop like, watching the news and the horror yeah. stories. You know, <laughs> yeah. right. our cases went up three hundred percent. So it went from <laughs> one person having it to three people having it. Is how they were reporting it here in my county. Mm -hmm. It's like, and they're like, Lake County went up three hundred percent. I'm like, if you look at the numbers, it went from one to three. Yeah, that's what it is. But doesn't three hundred percent sound much scarier than I said three people have it now? Yeah, they're they're doing that. Even with the death rate, where you said, well, I mean, yeah. the survival rate of ninety nine point nine 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 percent, I think it is. You know, right. everybody's. Some people are looking like we're all going to die, and then some people, some people are looking like, uh, what are we talking about here? You know, See, the now I have friends who won't go out, and they refuse to go out, and they haven't been anywhere since this started. But yet they have their cleaning people coming to their house, and I'm like, well, why are, do they have to come to your house and clean your house? Why? Why are you putting their lives in danger so you don't have to dust? Yeah, yeah. You got nothing else to do. Clean it yourself. If you, if you, exactly. <laughs> I know, right? I'm worried about everybody's safety. Clean your own dang house. And they yeah. didn't like me for that. I'm like, I clean my house. <laughs> That's it, man. It's got to get well, done. Well, I was just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I was just I was just downstairs talking to the um, – uh, we have a uh, cadaver lab, and I was talking to the guy who runs it. And uh, he's only had 12 bodies that died of COVID since this whole thing started in the University of Cincinnati. So that's, you know, that's right next to the coroner's office. Mm -hmm. um, he said, you know, and I, it could be just the body donations part that were COVID only, but a lot of those numbers, in my opinion, are exaggerated way beyond. I mean, because a lot of the hospitals get paid more money if they document the, the fact that a patient is a COVID patient versus a, mm -hmm. where they died from. So, you know, I, I appreciate that reality, but the flip side to that coin is when you have to do the funeral for that family whose grown son just died because a family member came home, didn't know they were exposed, and in pretty short order, you have four people in the hospital, one of which died. Um, so that's been my exposure to COVID on a personal level, <clears throat> is actually someone I know was infected by someone who didn't know they were infected until it was too late. But mm -hmm. by that time, the whole household. So the elderly father, the compromised son, and the wife, and the, mo and the mother were all um, COVID patients. And the son died because he had other issues. But, you know, I feel bad for her who came home and basically brought this with her and didn't know until it was too late to capture it. And yeah, that's just one exposure that turned into three and, you know, out of maybe mm, two or 3,000 for this particular county over the year, it's not a large number. 
but it's like I used to ask my management, you know, when they say, well, we got a 98% success rate, this will work. Who is going to stand there with the 2% that it fails for and mm-hmm. help them through it? And that's, and that's the hard part. And that's the thing I've seen with what I've experienced personally with, um, with COVID and through my extended uh, friendships and stuff. Yeah. And so so no, I don't, yeah, I'm not living in fear, but I don't take it lightly either that no. it could be just that easy to ruin somebody else's day. Oh, I hope you don't think I was taking it lightly because I... Uh, no, oh. no, no, no. There's <laughs> there's folks around where I live, Mark, that, man, it's like... <laughs> I have yeah, a psychologist. It's, 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 uh, he's in critical care, and he was taking care of guys who were my age, 45 to 55 years old. Now, um, and they were healthy adults and they were up in the ICU and they were on, uh, they're doing ECMO. And he said, they're really sick. They didn't think they were going to make it. I mean, that's pretty scary to hear that. I mean, that's, that puts it in a little perspective, but you know, in the same sense as if you follow protocols, um, you, you wear a mask, you know, the mask is only going to do good <clears throat> preventing just for somebody else. So if you wear a mask, it only helps the other person. It really doesn't help you because you're still going to get exposed. But if you're both mm-hmm. wearing masks, you're going to mitigate that exposure. Mm-hmm. And it's also my belief in all this. It's just a belief that the more exposure you have to the, the, the disease, the worse it could be. So in other mm-hmm. words, if you just really get a little bit, like just somebody had, you get a little light sickness, whatever, that's one thing. But if you've been around somebody for a long period of time or been around somebody who's really sick and you've got to ingest that in your system, in your lungs, it could get a lot worse. So, so what are we thinking about where we're looking at employees? Now, you guys are playing the roles of CEOs here. So what are we looking at? <clears throat> if your employee came in concerned, what are you going to do to try to help them, I guess, become better or make them feel comfortable? What's, what's, what's the incentive? What's the motivation for them to stay there if they're going to stay there? What, what do you guys do in that situation? I know all of you love your jobs, but what about those who are coming there for a paycheck and they care about their... <laughs> You know, they, they don't want to take that risk or do want to do want to be at the company, but want you to try to help them, you know, become comfortable. Is that your responsibility? I, I assume so. So what do you guys do in that situation? Can you hear me? OK. Yeah. Yes. Please. Melissa, um, I'm currently in that situation. I work for a hospital and I'm off site. So we're in another campus and they have not been taking the necessary precautions for us in the business office. So there's 50 women in one office with two bathrooms and one small kitchen. Mm -hmm. And they recently just started taking our temperatures and recently started making it more um, demanding that we sit six feet apart from each other, doing conference calls versus in the boardroom meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And now we have three positive cases in our office. We have seven testing and we have four possible as of the end of today. Again, 50 women, two bathrooms, one kitchen. It was bound to happen sooner or later. We've been fortunate all these months not to have come up with the illness, but now they're running scared because that can wipe out a whole department in the Mm -hmm. matter of two to three days. And it's wiped out half a department now. So myself, I've been taking the necessary precautionary measures because I have elderly elderly parents, elderly in-laws. I can't share those germs with them. So I've been OCD with the Lysol wipes and the whole nine yards, and I've been complaining about it. And I wanted to know what the protocol was. Who do we talk to? Because obviously my director isn't doing what they need to be doing. So I called employee health services, and then they call infectious disease control, and I wanted the protocol. And they haven't been following the protocol, and my bosses got in trouble because I called raising a question and a concern. So now we have all these positives and now they're worried about it. Well, yeah, you're going to wipe out a whole team in a matter of 14 days that they're going to be out pending because they're not letting them in. People are going to vacation. They're leaving the country. They're going to Vegas. They're going to Florida. They're going to California. They're going to all the hot spots right now. And they're not making them self-quarantine. They think by testing their temperature twice a day is a precautionary measure. Well, it it is partially but if they're not washing their hands and not sitting there with the mask for the eight hours that we're sitting in our cubicles, it's defeating the purpose. Mm-hmm. So when I questioned it, even as a boss, even if I was in her le- in her footsteps, I asked her, I said, put yourself in our seat and let's change roles for a minute. 
because now you have 50 employees who are going to take that home to their spouses or loved ones, et cetera, et cetera. I said, and what are we supposed to do to reassure these employees? Because these people want to stay home without pay and or get laid off so they can collect unemployment and your, 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 your business is going to suffer and they're going to sit at home self-quarantining. And she didn't like that a couple of us came directly to her, but we had to because now we have positive cases and it's affecting each department at a time so you have three departments that right now are down people pending results and with positives fortunately my department right now there's not anybody out we had a scare and she's been gone for five days so now we have another scare in our department and once she comes hopefully she comes back within the next couple of days who's to say that i'm not next or my coworker next to us so I feel that, you know, to reassure their employees, they need to be upright and honest with them. If they don't know, that's okay. You don't know what you don't know because we don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But they're not even giving us that as an answer to any of our questions. Hey, if you don't know, I'm fine with that answer, but don't fluff me with <laughs> anything else that you're trying to hide from us. We work for a hospital, a major, a major corporation in our area. Shame on you guys for not letting us know. Yeah, and that's the situation. Exactly. <laughs> that's, did, they, did they at least get you PPE? Um, we went without PPE for the first 45 days, and they didn't start taking our temperature until I emailed HR and said, look, we got people over here that are not being checked by temperature, and they used the excuse that they didn't have any thermometers and they were hard to get. Well, you had Can four hospitals. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm That's sorry. Why I said, wow. And we're in the we're in the business office for the hospital. So how are you going to tell us that you can't get what we need, considering you have other private doctors' offices linked to the hospital that are closed down due to this pandemic? Hey, you Melissa, need you need to come down here and work for the hospital. I was just servicing because I'm an I'm technically an outside vendor, and okay. they 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 give me scrubs and masks every day so i'm like i'm walking around like i'm one of a family because that was how they that was how they approached it they gave us the access to be able to be just as safe as everyone else that was there if you wanted it so we might and haven't given us any masks since no because it took two months for my company to actually show up my manager to show up with ppe and when i didn't take it from him he was surprised because a lot of the other guys in my team were freaking out and it was like, I got no problem, man. I'm, I'm set. I got bunny suits. I got, you know, all this stuff. It's on. All I got to do is, yeah, go by the OR and stock up for the week and I'm good to go. So that's why I think, so come on down, come on down. I know we got openings. Pete over here trying to offer somebody a job. <laughs> so, so. So with that, so with that, Melissa, I, I guess the question is, what what's your motivation for working? So it sounds like you you kind of care about your safety as well as is there any way they can get you to come back? I mean, not to come back. Is there any reason that you would quit if things don't get better? What's your what's your final point of no return? I think if the whole crew goes down, there's seven of us analysts. And I think if half of us go down, it's gonna it's it's gonna hurt. Um, we've asked to work from home. They don't they won't let us. So we've mm-hmm. been going in this whole time. They did a furlough day where they took us down <clears throat> to 32 hours and thought they were being gracious and giving us Fridays off. Mm-hmm. It didn't do anything because then we just had to work that much harder come Monday through Thursday. So, it, so it's getting a little it's getting a little trying. And there's a sister, uh, another competitor not too far from here that is enticing and and they're letting their employees work from home. Um, it's not even a question of them. They've set them up with laptops, telephones, and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 they're calling my name. I just haven't responded. She heard me today because I was a little frustrated when we realized how many people are positive in the office. And now you want to say, oh, you have to sit with your mask on all day. You have to wipe down your desk constantly. Well, what do the cleaning people do? And why are you making me do something outside of what I'm supposed to be here doing? So they don't look at it that way. And they're more concerned with numbers versus 
the safety of their employees. Because if mm -hmm. two of us go down, that hurts. Mm -hmm. And they've, if they've gone down before with the flu. And last year there was four people down in one department and they yeah. were scrambling, offering overtime and incentives for people to come in on Saturdays and even work on Sundays. So how was that? Was that productive or pro how was the incentives anyway? It was productive. I mean, it, it got it got the job done out of the necessity because believe it or not, there are some people that do care about what they're doing and who they're doing it for, the longer termed employees. But then you have some of these new young buckaroos that are there for just a stepping stone and they're not trying to make a name for themselves. They're just there to get their credentials done and their resume beefed up to say that they worked here and they worked there and then mm -hmm. they leave. So they're not in it heart and soul. They're not in it for the duration of what it takes. And it's kind of frustrating when you do sit next to this young buckaroo who just got out of college and knows everything. And then, oh, you gotta work a Saturday. No, I'm going uh, rollerblading or I'm doing whatever they're doing versus coming in and, you know, rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty and working a little harder than we usually do. So I do that. I work. I don't have a problem with it. But personally, I'd like to stay home at least for the next couple of weeks, eight to 12 weeks, because mm -hmm. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. I've had a couple of headaches over it and I'm stressing out over it. It's, it's kind of getting to the point where that other hospital is looking good and they're saying my name very well, but <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to update my resume just yet. All right. <laughs> All right. Are you working in Epic? No, we're working in Affinity. Ah, too bad. I know they're looking for some Epic analysts. Sorry. What? <laughs> working from home? Yeah. Peter, I'm going to have to email you. I worked in Epic. I worked in Epic for 10 years. Oh, man. Yeah, one of my buds, I used, we call her Epic Liz. Whenever there's an Epic problem, you know, call Liz. Wow. Yeah. Epic's a good system. Now the, the competitor does work out of Epic. They do work out of uh, Epic and that's a great system. And I know that system very well. See, maybe I should go into HR. Yeah, she's, huh? she's getting, she's, she's getting excited when she's talking about the competitor. When she's talking about her current, when she's talking about his current company, she's upset and she don't, even, it's so, so she's like the competitor. She's yeah. She's made the decision. She's I know, right? Making it easier. Hey, thanks. I'm working on my interviewing skills here. I've never thought about HR as an option before. Appreciate it. So as you can see here, the point here is that their employees do care. Employees do care. So for example, you got Amazon. Amazon's out there making billions of dollars because everybody's buying stuff from home right now, but their employees are working, you know, more hours making the same low minimum wage they were making and not seeing any incentives out of this. They're not seeing share, you know, stock stock value or anything of that nature. So that's where Amazon obviously ran into an issue where they have yet to give their employees a bonus maybe, or something where it incentivizes them to work a little harder, a little bit better, and want to care as much as you care. Uh, but that's the average I'll say. Net, you know, you have these big companies that are making money or not sharing the, the, the end on that money, but employees are having to work more. They're having to wipe their own desk, you know, having to do all this right. other stuff where you now have to put all this extra work in because the owner didn't take care of that. And that's where you guys are playing that role of that owner of you need to take care of that and to make sure your employees are happy or else they're going to go to the sister company, mm -hmm. you know, because they look a little better. They're doing things a little different. They're a little safer. They got things organized over there and they're working remotely. They got it all figured out versus where you're just saying, hey, we're not going to separate you guys as desk. We're not going to clean you guys and stuff. We're not going to check your temperatures. We're not going to do this. So that's where you're going to run into that. Now, if your employees leave, obviously it creates this domino effect. That's where. Now your productivity decreases. Now employees have to work harder. Now more employees are upset. They're going to end up quitting or whatever the case is or getting fired at eventually. So that's all the that's the domino effect that doesn't play too well because of this current situation. And again, I think it's a lot of opportunities to look at that. But the employees have to be one of the considerations. And I only say that because but, every go ahead. Well, you, I you, wanted you, to say that. Oh, sorry. Okay, no. I wanted to say that. That's why it's important for employers to speak with their employees. I don't trust a company who will say, I understand my customer, but they are not communicating with their employees mm -hmm. because the well-being of <clears throat> your employees determine also the success of your company. So what Melissa was saying makes me think if they don't care about the people working with, for them, how do they care about the people they are serving? Mm-hmm. And 
I think with most businesses, though, you're going to run into where they don't care about the people they're serving. They care about the 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 numbers, the financials. You know, they're looking at the monetary value and not necessarily at the the community that they're serving. That's a lot more. I know you guys work in the, the medical, but some of you, but either way, that's the average business. Me, I did not care about the community within the skate room, obviously. So for me, it was, you know, I'm looking at the money here. What do I need to do to be successful? And if I'm not making money, this doesn't make sense. So that's where things boil down to for me. So I think that's the average business that you're going to run into that you're looking at is, yeah, money's very important. It's not about the people. It's not about the community. It's about, you know, my pockets and my shareholders pockets. And that's the reason we start. Most people start businesses is to make money. They don't not all of them started to go into nonprofit or do something, you know, of, of community value. But some people are sick. I think most people started because of money. <laughs> so that's that's something to consider anyway, is are we making money? Because I can also see I've run into a lot of businesses where they do care about the people. They do care about their employees and their community. And they end up trying to make all these adjustments for their employees. For example, you say that we want to we want somebody to come in here and clean that person. Now I got to pay for that cleaner to come in there. We also want some hand, hand sanitizer is expensive, you know, after a while. So now you got to get all this hand sanitizer. You got to start doing things differently. You got to program your business differently. Now you got to provide your employees with laptops. Potentially you got to do all this other stuff. And what happens is it doesn't th- those businesses ended up going out of business because they were trying to survive above their means at that point where they couldn't afford it. It didn't make any sense. Uh, And they said, hey, we're going to use our last dime to try to fix all of this and to try to keep all of our employees on because our employees have families, they have bills, and we want to make sure that that they're happy because they've been with us for a long while. But eventually that business tinkered off and they ended up failing. I've seen that very often during this crisis where those business tried to survive for that reason. Now, me, once COVID hit, I said, I don't see a, a fast solution to this. I don't care about X, Y, Z. I need to get out and get out now. And I think you can look at some of the bigger businesses that filed bankruptcy quickly. You know, maybe a month or two later, they needed to file now because those businesses typically prepare for what's coming. Um, That's something I usually do when I'm looking at a business. Not only when I start a business, am I putting projections together, but also if I'm selling that business or closing that business, I'm also looking at projections to see what's the value of this business. So some big businesses... And I'm going to say smaller business, including myself in that area, I had to put the projections together and it came down to money. It didn't come down to anything else. It didn't come down to how I cared and about this or that, because how I cared about my employees or my community, very irrelevant in that situation uh, because the business couldn't sustain. And that's one of the biggest challenges I want you guys to look at during this team assignment is can how do you sustain the business not how you keep your employees happy not how you keep the community happy but can this business sustain because even hospitals they have to sustain if they can't sustain then they can't move forward if they don't have a business loan or a ppp loan uh, coming in from the government if they don't have the community giving donations to some of these charity organizations how do you survive your business and even as much as you love your employees as much as you love your community there are times when you cannot sustain that business and it comes down to numbers. It's numbers. Isn't isn't that kind of speaking to the culture of purpose and not just profit? Because what what you're what you're describing to me sounds kind of like um, if the company, if the organization has had that as a part of their basic construct, that care and consideration, you know, they give them back when it's good and all of that. Um, and not just looking at the next quarter's profits and trying to maximize that as their sole existence, doesn't that then give them the cachet they need when they do have a rough spot like this to be able to flex? And if they can't go all the way to the extreme, like some of the other um, organizations will have those demands heaped on them, that their their um, their employee base is also more flexible. You know, it's like, it's granted, you can't send 2,000 people home on furlough indefinitely with full pay. Mm-hmm. That mathematically is impossible. Mm-hmm. But if your employees know that you taken care of them in the past, you were good to them when things were good for you. Now, you know, we're all hitting this unknown rough spot. Aren't they more likely to work with you when they know that you've got their back, even though you can't back them up fully, you know, you may have to go to a three day work week, four hours a day, instead of being able to work your, you know, normal four by 10 or 12 or whatever, you've already got the buy-in because the culture's already there. So the companies you're talking about going out of business, 
because they went over their means is because they didn't have that as a way that they worked with their employees. And now they're trying to make up ground and there's just no making that up. I don't think there's a way that 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 could be true in some instances. I say that. But I think your average business, the ones who have failed during this crisis, they had, you know, money. For example, I didn't sell my business for lack of money. I sold it because of lack of making money. There was a difference there, meaning that there was no avenue where I was going to generate a good enough profit to make it worth my time. It's equivalent to saying you go to work, you individually go to work for the next year without making any money simply because you love what you do. Uh, as a business owner, you guys got to consider that. You have to consider that I didn't start this because not just because I loved it, but because I needed to make money or I wanted to make money. So it's not just about the people in the community or whatnot. But if your boss told you right now to come in, don't you're not getting paid for the next year, uh, but we want you to work nine to five for, for us for free. I'm assuming your answer is no for that. You can't afford that. And it's the same thing from a business standpoint is I can't afford to keep when my expenses are higher than my my profits or my income, it doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint. So you can't make that decision, no matter how much you prepared for it. The problem with this situation is that it's going on too long. It's not a matter of it going on three months. And I think everybody at home, for example, we're all at home. Uh, we have our home bills, right? We, uh, we Whether it's a car, whether it's rent, whether it's a phone bill, electricity, whatever the case is, we all have those bills. At some point, those bills are going to come up. And we might have a six month, a year stash, whatever the case is, going to savings, going to, you know, the retirement accounts. We can start doing that. But at some point, it's going to start draining. And where's the end to that? There's always an end to it. And those who are wise will make decisions and fast, right? So if you saw that you lost your job, you're not going to say, hey, we're going to keep riding this out and see what happens. I know I just lost my job, but I'll get something else. We're going to keep the car. We're going to keep making the same payments. I'm not going to negotiate creditors. I'm not going to do any of that because I believe that everything's going to be fine. That's what I feel like you're kind of saying from a business standpoint, but a business standpoint, a personal standpoint, they're the same thing. As soon as COVID hit, I called personal. I looked at my personal money and my business money. And I said, what changes need to be made? Because we have no idea what's going to happen here. Um, not only do I need to look at what expenses that I started cutting off expenses at the business. I started, nothing had happened. It was only, it was only a few days into COVID mind you. And I said, I need to think fast or else I'm going to get caught up thinking things are going to get better in three months. Now, what it sounds like is you're just a positive thinker where you're saying, you know, this is temporary. We'll be better in the next few months or so, but you got to look at this long-term. You got to assume. No, no, no. I was, I, I, I wasn't saying that. I, I'm, yeah, sometimes I can be over, uh, optimistic, but I'm not but let's, overly optimistic. But let's but. assume let's assume the situation lasts mm -hmm. a year. You've exhausted all your resources. You've you're, you tried to keep your employees on. You've exhausted uh, your your employee, uh, you know, um, getting furloughed or whatnot, sick leave. All that stuff's exhausted. You thought you were going to get new customers. New customers were not coming. Where's your decision now? And do you and not only that, but do you wish you would have made a better decision earlier? than later, sooner than later? Because well, do you want to wait a year before all that goes downhill? Well, no, I've, I have failed at personal business before, so that doesn't scare me. What, what would be the <clears throat> valuation for me would be if I tried and it did help others at least for a time, it's not a total bust. <clears throat> but at the same time, if... If, if I did that and I was stupid about my decisions and they were for the wrong reasons and I failed, yeah, I, I, I'll own that. That's just a bad, bad planning. But I've, I've suffered loss to help others. So that concept is not something that scares me away from trying to do the right thing. <clears throat> but then again, I'm not Coca-Cola, I'm not GE, and I'm not on the S500. It's, it's, it's fine, because I, I like I like, that <laughs> I like that perspective because that's what this assignment is about, particularly the, the team assignment. It's that everybody's going to have a different reaction <laughs> to what's going on. So, for example, I think there was different reasons that people shut down their business or make business decisions during this crisis, which is you're either in business, you're going to stay in business, because you care about yourself and your long, your longevity, you care about your income, your household, and to make sure that you're fine throughout this. The other one is you care about your customers. So you care about, you have customers and you want to make sure they're happy, make sure they're healthy. Uh, if you work at the hospital or whatnot, you want to make sure they have somebody they can go on. The other, another one is care about your employees. Your employees have been there for you, as you guys just said. 
uh, and you want to be there for them and you want to give back and you want to keep them on as long as you possibly can. Those are the different reasons that you guys can stay open. So from a different perspective with your, your teammates and your classmates here, I think all of you guys got to look at this from a different perspective. And that's why I give you try to give you different roles here where one's HR, one's marketing, one's CEO, one's, you know, something else, whether even an employee, you know, what are you looking at? We got to, at some point, in my opinion, you got to fire the employee. <laughs> so, but you may think otherwise. I'm thinking, no, I need to make whatever decision I make, I need to make it sooner than later. I've seen and that's not to say that I can't be optimistic, but if you and I were teammates and we're trying to get this assignment done, I'd be looking at it totally different than you. I'd be looking like, no, we employees got to go and they got to go fast. Who is not essential? Who needs to get out of here? I will do it myself before I keep them on paying them. And that's how I look at it because I'm looking out for me is how I see things. So I can tell you where when I have a hard time in the business, I'm firing an employee and I will get inside of my business and start working. I will start making phone calls. I will start hustling. And I will say, I'm sorry, you got to go. It's unfortunate, but I got a family. You know, I, got, I have a house. I got a car. I got kids. I got whatever. And that's what's important to me more so than my employee is, unfortunately. And I think a good chunk of businesses believe that way as well. I think you're you're mm-hmm. you're you're rare to actually say I care more about my employees than myself. So it sounds like you would rather live in I don't know, would you rather live in a car than, than fire your employee? Where's your fire employee hey, point? Just like well, I, would, I would I would clear the C suite and keep 10 nurses, you know? I would for every for every C suite office I could empty, I could keep 10 nurses. Keep the off keep the hospital. We're beyond going. we're beyond the point of that. We are at a big problem. We are at COVID not is not going to solve this problem. For yeah. a while, we're not yeah. we're not looking, at, and it's not a hospital we're looking at, right? We're looking at something else. Look, look at another business that we're selecting here. We got to make money. We got to be productive. We got to be sustainable, and we got to keep our shareholders happy. Go ahead. Yes, but the problem is, it's not only to stay open. The problem is also to adapt. I mean, if the vision of the company was this direction, and they say, oh, it's not working anymore. We have to adapt. We have to change mm-hmm. our vision. We can do that without having to fire many employees because I think at the end we no, no. need to No, no. I actually some. think adapting <laughs> might mean adapting, adapting might mean firing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so so you guys deep, you guys feel so bad about firing people for some yeah. reason. <laughs> well, you know, like you said, you know, everybody has to answer to somebody. That's the problem. It's like if you you have bills, well, you got bill bills collectors. They got to pay. They got they answer to somebody else. So everybody has to answer to somebody else, whether it be shareholders, stakeholders, whatnot. So it's like you can't just. I mean, you got to stay in business. I mean, sometimes you got to make hard choices. But I think if you have a, a good culture, you know, reading through our our readings and stuff like that, a culture of the organization makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And if you're transparent with your with your people and they, and they understand it's like i mean there's not much you can do about it because if, if you just keep paying people and you don't have the money you're going to be out of business before you know it and it's all for naught and you're going to be the same problem they are you don't have no money to pay your bills no money to pay your anything like that you'll be on the street so i don't know how i mean sometimes you gotta make hard decisions and i, I don't like it because i'm very compassionate and i care mm-hmm. about people but mm-hmm. you know and it's really hard for somebody like me because i work in a support role and I work for the military, so I'm, it's a nonprofit. So I'm just like, so I'm not in it for profit. So, you know, people say a lot of things about government government employees. You know, well, I'm not one of those ones that get paid just to go to work. I'm, I work mm-hmm. my butt off. I do whatever I can. So, um, but I can see it where it's really difficult. This it can be really mm-hmm. difficult for these companies to stay in business. I mean, because if, if your bottom line is you're you're in the red, you're in trouble. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, but I get why you have to do whatever you can, but you really have to start researching ways to just make ends meet in the time being and just to stay in business. Cause uh, mm-hmm. like Amazon couldn't, you know, people going to work. So like you got your most important asset you have is your people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, if you can't take care of them and be, you know, you might be doing them a favor by, letting them go because then they can get on employment. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. trying to keep them keep paying them and then you're going broke and you're gonna be on the street. You don't get mm-hmm. them. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's that's something to consider, right? So and could you everybody's end- unemployed as well, and it didn't could, save anybody anything, right? So could you end up being worse off than your employee? You know, because you've been paying them, but you've been losing money the entire time because or not making money. You know, because when COVID hit, businesses went to zero, mind you, a good chunk of them went to zero. Restaurants, bars went to zero. It wasn't okay. We just lost a little money. It was we went to zero. You know, the entertainment, when I had to shut down my business, it went to zero. It didn't go to we're losing. No, it went to we're losing. Our bills are still due. Our stuff is still due. Electricity, cable, internet, all that stuff is still due. Employees is still due. So that's the type of stuff where it's it's more than just looking at the person or the heart of the person or the heart of yourself. You want to, everybody wants to be that person and be that nice person. I give to charity, for example. I, 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 I don't want to stop giving to charity, but if I have to make that decision, I have to make that decision. It needs to be made. It's it's unfortunate decision, uh, but it's a decision that needs to be made sometimes. And I've I've done it before. I've been giving since I was a teenager, and I've there were times throughout my life where I st- had to stop, and I said, "Hey, doesn't make much sense right now. I need to stop right now. Hold this, and I get back to it later on. I will restart it. And as an, if I had employees, I need to fire. I will call those people back once things get better. But as of today." That this, this decision needs to be made in order for me to survive the business, right? So I would stop. I say charity for me because charities to me is, I guess, as important as employees are to you guys. Because employees to me, I chop that off real quick. But as far as charity, I look at charity a little differently where that could be my employee, my emotional factor where I'm giving. And then I say, okay, I'm going to stop today and I will come back once I, things get better. I will get back on that same charity and I'll give you guys even more. But as of today, I need to make this decision for, you know, my uh, my life at this point, you know, for my finances to get things in order. So I think businesses oftentimes need to do that, particularly during this COVID situation where, yeah, they do fire you, uh, but they're going to be able to call you back in a few months once things get better, once they you know, get a PPP loan or, or they do this or they make some adjustments. They do adjust the business uh, where they're now they know what to do and they have direction and all of that and know to take temperatures and to separate people and, and has all that stuff in order. But this is what we consider a crisis to where you're not prepared. There is no preparation for this. This is a crisis moment where you were not expecting your business to go from 100 to zero, you know, overnight. That's what took place here. So we don't have time to think about that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I got a question for you on that because I was thinking about how you explained the um, entertainment entity that you sold. So what if you were a month or two into the, the pandemic and you were not able to sell at that point? How would how would your actions change at that point? You know, you kept the business open, you were trying, you didn't get out, you know, you didn't get out ahead of the crest so now you're caught up in it like everyone else. You know, how do you do deal with that? Because, like you said, the bills are still coming. Mm-hmm. You can't just you can't just close the doors because the bills are coming. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's no market to sell it now because everybody's suffering the crunch. Mm-hmm. So now, how does that change your um, attempts or what you would try to do at that point? Um, in regards to what with the employees or the business that overall. Both, both, because see, your explanation is very clear cut. You were able to cut bait before everybody realized there was no yeah. fish coming. Yeah, and you got out. Yeah, you got yeah. out clean. You, yeah, you basically, now- we could almost say without knowing in your financials, you, you know, we can just um, surmise from your explanation, you probably got out with market value of your business mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. Yeah, I got out actually with okay. more money, more money than than we even had in the bank account. So we got out pretty well. Okay. But and now so my com- and now, <laughs> and, No, and now my competitors, now my competitors are actually struggling to sell because they didn't do it fast enough. They believe that everything was going to be fine. But right. for me, it, had I stayed in, I actually had a plan in place, which the first plan mm-hmm. was to reach out to my landlord. That was the first plan, number one. So in order to do such, I actually put together different pitches. I had different pitches together based on different projections, news articles about when the pandemic might get better. We did all of that and put all of that into a big document. You got something to say? No. I. Okay. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the audio just, the audio has gone. I can't hear you. But yeah, so 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 we ended up putting a big document together with all of the data inside of there on on what this looks like okay. if we continue down this direction versus this direction. And one where was where if the landlord 
did not let me have make me pay for the next three months. That's what it was. The deal was, I don't pay for the next three months. We might be able to do whatever, okay? We might be able to survive a little bit. Then there was a six-month plan where we'll take half off for six months is what the other plan was. And then another one is we'll take off about a quarter for about, I think it was about eight, nine months or so. So we had these different plans put together. All of these projections, however, they had charts and diagrams and it was showing green and red where we're going to lose money. And it was showing we're in the green, 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 red, 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 red. And then it started just going downhill. So I was able to visually show the landlord that we're not going to be able to make payments here after about five, six months. This is all over. So, I mean, if things continued, it would have been about four months or so. And I said, this isn't it's not worth it for four months for me at this point. So what can we do to make sure this works? Now, my landlord is in the medical field. He he runs a uh, a community and whatnot where he, uh, I guess, goes to the elderly homes and whatnot. He does that. So he wasn't that hard hit. Uh, So for him, it was a different story where he thought, no, everything's going to be better. What are you talking about? I don't care about your problem. And I said, that's nice. Here's the data. He knew what I did for a living. I said, I do data. Okay. So the data was just saying, here's the projections of what's going to happen. Four months six months. And the data for the six to, I think, seven month program that I put together, it showed that we were going to make a little bit of money, but at no point, he didn't know this, but I knew at no point was I going to make a profit over the next year, year and a half. I knew that based on my dad. I didn't project that to him because I didn't want to show him that it was going to fail, you know, within the next year and a half. So I didn't want to, I guess, make it too negative. So the plan was that. He decided to go with the half off for four months uh, or three months. I think it was a half off for three months. And I knew at that point I had already, I was in the process of selling the business. Never told him I was in the process of selling the business at that point, but had it not happened, I would have just shut it down and dealt with the consequences, the consequences of letting that landlord sue me. If he needs to, I can't pay what I don't have. It's just unfortunate. So that's how it would have had to have gone. No questions about it. And It's just unfortunate. I think if you're dealing where there's something at your home, people make mortgage payments like that where they can't, you lost your job, you lost your job. It's not you can do about it, right? So fortunately for me, I'm also not a one income person. I don't deal with that. I don't believe in that. So to me, the business shutting down, no problem at all. I, I'm always doing something else. So okay. that was, you're, but I- you're, you're, com- you're, coming to the, you're coming to the space I wanted to, to get your, your take on. Okay, so you gave them a plan you, you weren't able to sell when the market was good. Now you're carrying this albatross because everybody, you know, it's failed for everybody. Now you just said you're going to shut it down and let him sue you. Whether you shut it down in month four or whether you shut it down in month 12, either way, you're going to get sued. Either way, you're in debt beyond where you want to be. Mm-hmm. So... At that point, you're looking at whatever, bankruptcy, restructuring, all those, you know, crazy things that you'll end up having to do. What's the difference between a big failure and a little failure at that point? I'm, I'll say this, I'm more proactive than reactive. So meaning I'm going to figure out, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to put the data together, look at the projections over the next year or two, right? That's what I'm going to look at. So for me, it's not a fail now or fail later. It's a solve it now so you don't fail later. So I'm going to fix this today. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to cancel it now. I'm not going to wait this out six months and lose more money. You know, what would be the point in that to shut down the business for six months, having lost all that money? I'd rather, if I already projected in six months, this isn't going to work. I just shut it down in month one. Now that's not everybody or, or I'd file file bankruptcy in month one, right? Get it out the way. It's already going to happen. It's inevitable. Let's get it over with. So for me, I'm going to, however, solve that problem first versus be reactive about it, where now six months later, I've lost my money, I've lost my business, and you know, <laughs> there's nothing else to look at versus in month one, I can just lose my business. It's a difference. Okay. So I look at it right. that way. So you got to, it's proactive versus reactive type of uh, business. Some people are reactive where they'll wait. I have heard many people ha- who have waited it out and six months later, they're, they tried to survive their bar. They were getting loans. They were getting, you know, whatever to try to sustain it. And now they're at the point of, you know, unemployment's ran out, right? People are doing that at home where unemployment ran out. Uh, they're not getting any more checks. And now they're making those decisions versus say, hey, month one, we need to file unemployment. We need to do this. We need to do that. That way, now we need to sell our home. We need to do whatever. If you had all that done in month one, you could have had the money from selling your home. You could have had the unemployment money saved up. You could have done a lot more things and negotiated with your creditors, all of that stuff. And by the time six months later, now you're in the the, the green Versus just now starting. 
because you could just now yeah. be starting six months where now we have to shut the business down and we're six months in this and now I really don't have a solution. That's where people can end up by not having a plan in place because yeah, that's where you can end up. And I'm not that person, but I do see it very often where people are going in that direction. I've seen people with unemployment. My, my niece, for example, she worked at some fast food place where they gave her unemployment. Obviously, she's making more money on unemployment than she was from the, uh, the the company she was working at. But she ended up now, She once she ran out of unemployment, it was like, okay, now what? You know, versus taking the unemployment and investing into what she wanted to do. So six months from now or from then, she could have been somewhere. Now she's starting all over again with nothing, no unemployment, no money. Now, what are you going to do versus having saved that money and made a quicker decision about where she was going to be in six months? So, again, proactive versus reactive. Are you going to you know, make the right decision today versus tomorrow? Uh, so for me, firing an employee because I see where this is going, that's good for me. But some people, however, would not see where it's going. That's where the challenge is. Do you see the end or do you just see tomorrow or today or what are you looking at? Uh, and I think people from a financial standpoint, people live like that. Some people live day to day and they don't have any money in savings. You know, they don't have a retirement because they're li- just living for the day. They're waiting for the next paycheck versus some people who are living, you know, for six years from now or 10 years from now, or from 30 years from now, when they're ready to retire, they start saving up their money, making good decisions today so that it affects and benefits their tomorrow. And that's what you have to do as a business as well. Is you got to make those decisions based on where you are projected to be tomorrow. And for me, I didn't see an immediate solution to this COVID situation. I didn't see three months. I didn't see four. I saw a year, year and a half based on my projections. Okay. Well, thank you. You answered well. You make (laughs) I've lived it. Okay. It's it's not an answer. It's a reality. No, it was just, it was just curious because um, of your perspective, what would it have looked like if you were not able to have gotten off that horse in month one. It, it likely, to, to make it simple, it would have likely ended in bankruptcy. Simple, okay. hands down, I would have done that. Didn't matter how much money I had in my bank account, I would have done it because of my projections. And I want to save that money that I have, not liquidate it. And if I can, if I have a creditor, if I have anything, because at that point, it solves my landlord problem, it solves this problem, it gets rid of the credit, it solves all the problems immediately. Now, Obviously, nobody wants to do that, but I think a lot of smart business owners who did it, I think they were very smart in doing it. I think all those big companies who did that, excellent. Hands down, excellent. I think the smaller companies are the ones who are not doing it based on what I'm seeing, and they're trying to survive. They're still out there promoting on social media, putting all this advertising money in there, rebuilding and and trying to rebrand and trying to get laptops for employees and whatnot, knowing they don't have those funds going further into debt only to live out the inevitability of this, which is those customers are not coming back anytime soon. And it's not that the customers aren't coming back. They're not coming back anytime soon. Meaning within the next year, year and a half here, I still don't believe that. I think, again, I'm in the entertainment district. I'm in the entertainment business right next to the Cowboys Rangers stadium right here, UT University of Texas. We're right here. And even with that, I didn't and don't believe they'll be open and ready for business as normal by next summer. I don't believe that. I think it's going to be beyond that. So because of that, a decision needed to be made and made quickly because the business was going to fail. It's just a matter of when. And again, I had to sell my business to some other sucker, not myself. I'm a data-driven person. Uh, I'm data-driven and the data showed me. I don't argue the data. The data said it's not going to be a solution. And there's no reason to, de- to delay that inevitability. And again, it might involve me firing employees because I see the end of this. I see where this is going. I don't need to ride this out. I can get off this ride right now. That's how I looked at it. Get it off, get off this ride with less of a headache and a plan, a plan in place. Uh, Because most of these businesses do not have a plan and they're currently just walking through this process. And not just businesses, I think the same thing at homes, our home lives, people are doing that at home uh, where they're just, hey, you know what? I'm riding this unemployment. We'll see how it ends. But I'm going to keep my car. I'm going to keep my internet on. I'm going to keep my cell phone on. I'm going to keep my insurance. And they make no changes whatsoever to their lifestyles. But they end up riding it out. And at the end of this ride, what's going to happen here? <laughs> so that's where people are currently. They're just waiting on another uh, stimulus check, for example, versus actually having a plan in place where, you know, here's what we're going to do. I see it. That, that's all I'm saying. That's my take on it. Just be prepared. It's not a, it's not, I don't believe things are, are going to stay bad or be bad or currently bad. I think 
that we don't know. And because you don't know, you need to use the knowledge that you do know, <laughs> which is here's what we do know, which is you're, you're, you're the, the world's not that good right now. Right. We know that much. So that's how you have to make your decisions based on to, based on what's happening right now and the projections of it being better or not better. Again, you got to listen to the media for that. And uh, I can't trust either any media network at this point. So it's a matter of I don't know who to listen to but myself. And I'm going to make a decision based on pessimism versus optimism. I think small business trying to survive is because they invested so much and also for the emotional value of their company. Not That's a good only point. Because they don't have a plan, but because it's like their baby. That's a good point. Good, excellent point, actually. And I say that because 50 points. Thank you. Yeah, I say that. No, I say that because I've heard that often where even as I was selling my business, the individuals buying said, you know, hopefully this isn't your baby. And I said, no, it's not. I just give me my money. So, so but the reason I say that is because that's why a lot of people are making the decisions they're making because they are emotionally involved. But not just that. Fortunately for me, it wasn't my only business. But I can only imagine if it were my only business, my only income, my wife didn't work elsewhere and we had mortgage and all this other stuff to pay. Oh, yes, I do have to survive this business. It's our only income. I can't go out and get a job now because obviously people are not hiring. But I totally understand that. And I think one of my competitors are in that situation now where their husband and wife team and they're trying to run the business by themselves. They got rid of their employees. They're trying to run the business, but it's their only income. And when it's your only income, you do need to make those decisions to potentially write it out. You have invested enough money into it. You want to make sure that even if you do want to sell it or shut it down, that you're not in debt when you do it. So all of those factors do need to be considered. And if it were my only business, I would I would, I would, think differently. I would have possibly tried to survive it if it was my only stream of, of revenue. And it was my baby in that sense where I was emotionally in, invested into it. And I had put years of dedication and work inside of it. But for me, I look at the business more as a business and it is what it is. It's not a personal thing. I'll let, I would let it go. I'm not, I, I'm fortunately not attached to it, but I can understand the attachment. And it's, it's again, it's not about attachments. I see a lot of restaurants do that where their husband and wife own restaurant uh, and that's all their income, you know, and the wife works there, the husband works there and that's their income. And, you know, they can't just shut it down. They can't just sell it. They can't just get rid of it because they need to look at their long-term solution and, Sometimes in that situation, the long term looks brighter when you're in charge of that and you get to make that decision uh, in the future versus if you sell it, you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to do once you sell that business. Now you got to start all over. You got to figure something else out uh, versus, you know, and especially if you grew up doing that, you know, I've seen people, their business had to shut down, you know, after the, it's been in the family for, you know, decades and they had to shut it down restaurants anyway, where they had to shut it down because of COVID. So they didn't want to. It just was necessary, but I can understand the emotional attachment to it. I don't have that. That's a, I think that's a good thing for me. My wife didn't have it either. So she was like, hey, what? she didn't want to be there anyway. She didn't like the business. <laughs> so what I, what I really hear you say right now is your emotional IQ or your emotional core. What is, oh man, what was that we were talking about? <laughs> your EQ, that's it. <laughs> your EQ is not a, not a factor. <laughs> it's not a factor. Whether that's for whether that's for the employees or whether it's for the industry, I did not. I was not emotionally invested. I'm never. When it comes to business, I'm rarely emotional invested. When it comes to anything dealing with money, I'm rarely emotional. Money for me, I will juggle it as I need to juggle it. I will get rid of expenses as I need to get rid of it. I don't care. I'm not attached to that. I'm more attached uh, to sustainability, to making sure that I'm okay emotionally. And in order for me to be okay emotionally, I can't care about money. I can't care about this business that much because or else I'd be devastated if the business had to shut down. You know, that's that's one thing. Or you'd be devastated if you lost your job. You don't want to get into that point where you you can barely survive because of that. So I try to stay away from that. And I, I like to adjust if necessary and make decisions, but be more so be prepared uh, to make a, a decision and be ready. You got to be ready, especially again. This is an unpredictable situation with this covid we didn't know what was going to happen. You guys didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know. I'm sure one day you guys woke up and like you said, got your letter and said, stay home. <laughs> so that's what took place. And now we're all, if you're not looking at your bill sideways, I don't know what to say. People, I'm looking at my car insurance. Like, do I really need this car insurance right now? You know, am I driving anywhere like that? So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at. 
getting a new cell phone. I'm getting a new iPhone. I'm like, what am I getting this phone for? I'm not calling anybody. So it's things of that nature where you start looking at things a little differently, you know, based on the situation. But you need to do that or else you will get caught up if your whole plan is to wait on somebody else. It's your whole plan is the hope that your boss keeps you employed. It's your whole plan is the hope that you get a stimulus check. That's that's what your plan is to wait for somebody else to make that decision. That means you are reactive, in which case you're setting yourself up for depression in a sense. Not going to say sadness, for a matter of depression because you're relying on that other person to make good decisions. You're relying on that other leader to make good decisions. You guys are relying on your boss to make good decisions. Because if they make a bad decision tomorrow, that's not good for you guys at the end of the day. I don't know, but it's uh, it's not funny, I guess. <laughs> so, like, But my point here is these conversations we're discussing in this class here, they're being had behind these closed doors. What do we need to do? What do we need to do with employees? If, do we need to let anybody go? Do we need to let people retire? Should they? Should we request early retirement? You know, my wife works at Farmers Insurance. She's they're having that question uh, there, where the, the 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 company is now asking people to go on early retirement, saying we'll we'll pay you a year of pension, we'll do this, we'll do that. But these decisions need to be made. You know, who can work from home? Who can't work from home? Who needs to be in the field? All of that. Those questions need to be asked. And again. Just because your boss said everything's fine doesn't mean everything's fine. They're just not telling you. They got to figure this out for themselves and make these decisions. And they're very hard decisions. And you will find somebody who does care about you and care about the employees and the sustainability and and the the, the environment at the business. Then there's going to be people who care or the shareholders who care about just the finances and the money, making sure the business is open for business, whatever we need to do to make sure that happens. Uh, And then. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So you got to just figure out what's important to these businesses that you guys are going to be testing here or working on. What's important to you? And sounds like you guys need to find somebody who's looking at it from the other angle, uh, which is how do we get rid of people, not how we keep people? How do we keep more money and not how we just keep people, our employees happy or our customers happy? We have to keep this business sustainable. That's the key word I keep throwing out here because that's the word for this assignment is sustainability not employee satisfaction or customer satisfaction. We want to keep this business sustainable. We want to keep it ready for growth. We want to keep it moving forward and we want to keep this engine running as best as possible. So yes, you do need to care about our employees and our customers, but what is most important? What's and really kind of, I guess it boils down to money at the end of the day. You got to get the money. But as you said, employees are are the heart of a business. Eh, I'm both ways on that, depending on the business. Because uh, again, I can get rid of my employees and, and work that business myself because I'm a smaller business. So I can just say, hey, you guys are gone. I'll take care of it. Uh, so I'm the heart of my business. And, <laughs> you know, so I'm the heart of the business versus the employees being the heart of business. And it depends on how you look at it. What's the, what, what is the heart of the business? You know, that's the question you got to ask yourself. And that's how you make your decision. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. If you guys run your own business, you will have this question. Uh, But more so, it was an unprepared situation. I was not even prepared for this question or even for this situation that occurred. But I needed to be ready for it. You know, that's why, fortunately, I I like to save money. And I, I did save some for the business and was ready for a rainy day. Not this one, but for a rainy day. And by the time it did hit, it was you know, not as devastating. So it was okay. Here's what we can do. Here's a plan. But all of that stuff needs to be considered. But again, I shut mine down. A week later, I was in the landlord's office saying, here's what we need to do. We need to work something out. I appreciate you for joining me for this Act Like a Business discussion. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit actlikeabusiness.com for resources based on today's topic, as well as more episodes that will help you start, grow, and manage your business. Until next time, to your success.